We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Cool. Well, if you have a Bible, let's open up to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, as today we continue our journey through this amazing letter that is, uh, is really powerful. It, it really is. Uh, one of the things we're going to see today is that it's, uh, it just really is an exhortation for us to abide, for us to stay in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, how many of you guys have a GPS, just out of curiosity, GPS? And how many of you guys have talking GPS? Talk. Isn't that cool? Yesterday I went to a wedding over in Pomona, and one of the things that is I'm ashamed of the fact that I am not good with directions, because most guys are, right? I was reading a book by Warren Wiersbe the other day, and he said he's not. He said he gets lost in a parking lot, and so I didn't feel so bad, man. But I tell you what, I love this talking GPS. She's my friend, man. I mean, big time. And she tells you, in 70 feet, turn right, sweetheart. You know, just starts talking back and forth like that. <laughs> no, I messed around with Shelly like that. But it's amazing to me how this, I mean, and I'll be honest with you, because I stress, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get lost, I'm going to go in circles, I'm going to run out of gas, whatever it might be. And when I just put this thing on, it just gets me there. I'm serious, and you have arrived at your destination. And it's just such a, such a neat feeling. You know, and, um, and that's, you know, what I think John's heart, you know, we're going to see there's a lot here, there's a lot for us as Christians to enjoy and to experience the riches. There's warnings and things like that, but I think in the end, the ultimate purpose, you guys, is that you go to heaven. You know, that, that you know, we don't know when we're going to die, we don't know when the Lord's coming, and that's ultimately, I think, John's heart as a pastor, is that we are saved, when we die. Do you know the Lord? And, and if you do, man, stay on track. Because look what we read here in verse 18. He says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Here John addresses the little children. Uh, he's an elder carrying kind of a spiritual father to them and he gives this term of endearment expressing his care for God's children and he right here speaks of the last hour where power will be given to the Antichrist even many Antichrists you know something interesting he says right there is the last hour and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming and so they had heard it. John had told them, obviously, right? He was there in Ephesus for a while as their pastor. And my question to you is, have you heard that the Antichrist is coming? You know, I wonder. I think probably most of us here know that he is. We know according to the scriptures that there will be an Antichrist one day, one man ruling the world. Uh, it's the Antichrist with a capital A. He's called the beast in Revelation chapter 13. He's called the man of sin and the son of perdition in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We know according to the scriptures in Daniel chapter 9 that he will rise from the revived Roman Empire and 
Some take that to be literally there, the European community. Others see it figuratively. But the point is that a man will rise to solve all the economic, all the geopolitical problems, even the ecumenical problems all around the world. And the world will embrace him as the answer. The world will embrace him as the savior. You know, this man somehow will bring peace to the Middle East. He will bring peace to the world. But it's only for a season and it's not the right reason, you know. And when you look at that, you know, think about that. I know for some people it sounds kind of silly, really. We're, the whole world is going to follow one man, the Antichrist. But you know what? I think that we are ready for that as a world. I think that we are a global community now and we're all experiencing similar problems. One might wonder how one man could possibly mesmerize the whole world, especially with a warning from the word. But to a world of men looking passionately to men for the answers, to a world of men looking to men even to solve their deep spiritual problems, to the world of men, may I say to you today that our world is ready and ripe for such a leader. It's a world in which there's absolute turmoil today. They're confused in their theology. They're consumed with their economy. They're content with their morality. And so the Antichrist is at hand. Our world really is ready and ripe in many ways. I remember when I first got saved, my pastor used to tell us the Antichrist was coming and he spoke of the technology where they could put a microchip maybe in the back of your hand or on your forehead. You know, but they, they had the chip, but they didn't have really all the technology that would be necessary. But now we see everything coming together, the satellite systems, so the global gatherings, United Nations, World Wide Web, the advancement of technology and knowledge has really made a one-world government not only possible, but very, very plausible for the first time in history. And it seems to me like everybody's on board. What John wrote is ever so true. The Antichrist is coming, and until then, many Antichrists, he uses the, the word, same word, but with a small a, have come. And that means people we look to instead of Christ, or people who oppose Christ. And that's the bottom line. He says right there, as a result of that, we know that it's the last hour. You know, and usually when we read the Bible, I know we speak of the last days. Um, we know according to Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 that we're living in the last days. The last days technically began when Jesus came. But now we're living in the last of the last days. Now we're living, not only in the last days, you guys, but we're living in the, in, the, in the last hour. And the reason we know that is because of the Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit that is permeating this world. That's how we know. It's not just the last days, it's the last hour. And that's why we have to fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bottom line, time is short. And we need to be ready. The end of the world is at hand. And I know some people, they make fun of Christians. Oh, you guys are doomsday, you know, gloom and, and whatever, doom. And, and you know, but the but bottom line is, you guys, I'm not a sensationalist. I'm really not. I don't like that kind of stuff. But I do know when I look at Israel, when I look at Jerusalem, when I see the things that are going on in the Middle East and Iran and China, the regathering of Israel, 1948, 1967, Jerusalem established again, according to Ezekiel 36 and 37, when I look at the way our world is in every single area, politically, religiously, economically, I see we got to know that the end of the world is at hand. And the only reason I say that, and I think the only reason the Bible emphasizes that, is that we got to be ready. 
I mean, what will you do if it happens right, you know, if the Lord comes right now? Are you ready? He might come before I finish this sentence. He might come before I finish this word right here. He might come. You just never know, right? This morning was kind of funny. And, I, and don't tell my son I told you this, but man, you know, um, he was having problems waking up. A lot of teenagers have that problem, right? And so my wife, she just comes to me, can you wake him up? I can't get him out of bed. And I said, sure, I don't want you to stress out, sweetheart. And believe it or not, I don't want to stress out either, right? So I go and I take the whip uh, to Aaron. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> what I do is I just tell him, Aaron, listen, if you're not ready, I'm leaving you behind. I don't want to stress out, dude. I don't want to make you mad. I don't want to start off the day like that. I just want to start it off in truth, okay? <laughs> if you're not ready, we're leaving you behind. And I meant it, and God means it. If you're not ready, he will leave you behind. And he's coming. I mean, we know, right here, he says the Antichrist is coming. You know, is the Antichrist alive today? I, I believe so. I don't know for sure, and I'm not going to say, oh, it's him or whatever. I don't like that. But, you know, I think that we need to know that we are living in days of Antichrists. Interesting, look what he says in verse 19. He says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, and none of them were of us. And so apparently they, he calls them the Antichrist, with the spirit of the Antichrist, they left the church. But John says they were never really part of the church. If they had been truly part of the church, they would have remained with us, but they weren't, and eventually it became evident that none of them were ever really of us. The Greek word right here translated manifest. It means to make visible or known what was previously hidden or unknown. It means to expose and to be plainly recognized. And one thing I know is this, man. You know, that not everybody who comes to church is a Christian. You know, one day there will be a great separation between the wheat and the tares. One day there will be a great separation between the wheat and the chaff. And that's why, you know, going through First John, I think it's important that we really examine our life to make sure that we're Christians. And, you know, sometimes people leave the church and they don't fellowship with us anymore. And they leave and... You know, it kind of breaks your heart and you think, well, maybe they fell away. And maybe, but maybe they never knew, never really knew the Lord. You know, one thing I know is that this right here is a, is a pretty cool verse, you know. It's a comforting verse. I think there is a security in it, man, that, that when you really know the Lord, it's so cool, the work that He does. It's a lasting work. Of course, we need to heed the warnings to abide, but I think it's, it's an awesome Verse. I, I, I wouldn't, though, just take this and then simply emphasize eternal security. I wouldn't take this and emphasize the perseverance of the saints or Calvinism. Because I think, really, when you look at the context here, here's what John is really trying to share with the congregation. He says, I want you to know that they were not really ever of us. I want you to know that. Because when they leave the church, I don't want you to follow them. When they go and they start the church down the street or whatever it may be, and they're teaching heresy, man, I just, I just want you to know they were never really of us. And here he is, he's an apostle, right, with a capital A. And so really when you look at the context here, that's what he's saying because he loves them and he wants them to go to heaven. 
He wants them to stay with the Lord. We're going to see that they're trying to deceive them. John is a man with the heart of a pastor, and I know he knows how it is, how sometimes people follow others when they split the church. Remember what Paul said in Acts 20, 29? He says, For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I didn't cease to warn you day and night with tears. See, all these guys that are trying to pull the Christians out of the church, and it's so funny the way the cults go fishing. They don't go fishing in the world. They go fishing in the church. You go over to the college campuses today and the ICC, the International Church of Christ, they are targeting the church. I remember when I first got saved, I was there at Calvary Chapel, West Covina, and back then I was just so cool that, you know, still... The altar calls, man. A lot of people would come forward. And so let's just say you got 50 people coming forward. And now they go to the New Believers Counseling. I remember back then, you know what happened? The Mormon missionaries would intercept them and follow up on them. Can you believe that? And so they had to come with greater security because that's the way the cults are. What we find right here is that he's just telling them, listen, they were never really of us. Yeah, they maybe started there and they all started there. But they left, and I just don't want you to follow them. You know, right what I see right here is this whole purpose is John is wanting us to go to heaven, you guys. You know, and one day, you know what, I don't know when, maybe the Lord will tarry. You know, but we're going to die, you guys. Um, we're going to get raptured, maybe. And I want you, and I think that, you know, we can talk to all the leaders and the congregation. We want you to be there. We want their to be that Garnet Sada reunion, right? The Almani Calvary Chapel, man. We want you there. And so he's trying to say, be so careful, man. He says, they were never really of us, but you, there's a contrast in verse 20, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and, and you know all things. See, he makes a distinction that we, the church, are real, that we, the true members of the church, have an anointing from the Holy One. And of course, this anointing speaks of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is given to us from God. And we know that our Lord and our leader, Jesus Christ, Christ, Christ means anointed one. He was anointed. We read in Acts 10.38 that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. We read in Luke 4.18, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus said is upon me because he has anointed me. So that anointing is the equivalent of the Holy Spirit. And since our Lord and leader was anointed with the Holy Spirit, we as his followers of Jesus Christ are anointed as well. We read in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? and that the Spirit of God dwells in you. And, and I think we're going to see here that w one of the ways that we are protected against these false religions, these guys who deny who Jesus is, is by the Spirit, the anointing. But we've got to listen to the Spirit. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
You see, as we receive that anointing, as we receive that Holy Spirit, there's going to be a, a built-in mechanism, so to speak, a built-in voice, a person inside of us telling us things about that. They just don't seem right. What we have right here is this anointing, and we're going to talk more about it, especially when we get into the whole element of the thing that we know the truth. But, but notice what he says right here again in verse 20. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things and so when I read that right there I'm like man you know what that throws me for a loop Lord because <laughs> if there's one thing I know it's that I don't know all things right unless you're a teenager right <laughs> so what does it mean that we know all things well more than likely it speaks of the fact that as believers we know these things all these things that John is talking about. Not only that, we have the Holy Spirit who will teach us all things. You know, God will use teachers, and it's so cool. He does. He ordained them in the Great Commission in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. But if push came to shove and you were out there for three years in the Arabian desert with just you and your Bible, you would still have the Holy Spirit who would teach you these things. And that's a beautiful truth. What we know is that here, these are definitely things that we should know. And, and he says something similar in the next verse. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Spirit also. See, you know these things as Christians, don't you? At least you're supposed to, man. You're supposed to know who the Lord is. You know, John right here speaks of truth. I have not written you because you do not know the truth, because you know it. No lie is of the truth. It's the word that's found eight times in this letter. All the problems in the world are caused by lies, and therefore all the problems in the world are solved by truth. God's truth will set us free. John says, I know you know the truth, and I know you know that no lie is of the truth, but even though we know the truth, we need to be reminded of the truth. And not only that, we need to be able to articulate the truth. What he says right here is just dealing with the issue now. Let me ask you a question. Who is a liar? Who is a liar? Well, he who denies that Jesus is the Christ, he is Antichrist, who denies the Father and the Son. You know, and, and to be a liar is massive. Uh, you know, you might lie. Some of you here are Christians. God, you guys are bad, man. You know, you might say a lie or something. Maybe it slipped, or maybe you're trying to protect yourself, or you're like, oh, I don't want to hurt them. And you lie. You still might be a Christian, um, be really careful with that. Obviously, if it becomes a habit, then you're a liar, right? And you can't go to heaven, right? But, but to be a liar, to be identified as a liar, is a really heavy accusation. And it's just crazy to me how some people claim to be Christians, and they deny the fact that Jesus, our Lord Jesus, is the Christ. They might recognize him by name, but they deny his nature. John says they are a liar heading for the fires of hell. You know, when we read the Bible, we know this is what it's all about, man. This is our message. 
Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the one. Jesus is the Savior. This is what it's all about. The 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, they're all pointing to the fact that he's the anointed prophet, priest, and king. As a prophet, he's God's messenger. As a priest, he's God's mediator. As the king, he's God's master. He's the anointed one. And yet here are people who claim to be Christian denying that. God says, I want you to know they're liars. And anyone who calls themselves a Christian and yet denies that Jesus is the Christ, the second person of the blessed Trinity, the Bible says this about them. You know, John wrote his gospel uh, to prove this point. We read in John 20, 31, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, God the Son, and that believing you may have life in his name. You know, when Paul got saved, the Bible says that he increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. John says, I wrote that you can know Jesus is the Christ. Paul says, I'm preaching that you may know Jesus is the Christ. Later on in the book of Acts chapter 18, Apollos, who knew his Bible really well, it says that he went to Corinth and he refuted the Jews publicly, showing from the scriptures that Jesus is the Christ. You see, that's really our point. As Christians, that's our message, that Jesus is the Christ. But the Gnostics, the false teachers of the day, were teaching heresy. Some of them said Jesus didn't come in the flesh, that he was only a phantom, a spirit of some sort. Others said he was only a type of Christ from his baptism, up and up to, but not including his cross. You see, the Gnostics were teaching a different Jesus. And I want you to know today, that's not good. You know, William McDonald said in his commentary in 1 John, this is the great lie of the cults today. The Bible everywhere insists that Jesus of the New Testament is the Lord Jehovah of the Old Testament. It is not correct to say that the Christ came upon Jesus, but rather that Jesus is the Christ. And that's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, I fear, and I, and I can just identify with that. I fear, I'm afraid, lest somehow... The serpent deceives Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And Paul says, God says, in other words, I don't want you to put up with it. So many out there preaching another Jesus. The name is the same, but the nature is deceptive. Do not be receptive. If we become acceptable to these things, we will be corruptible in these things. And for me, and I think for Paul, it's just a really passionate issue because this is the Lord Jesus, our Savior. And it hurts. It grieves me. You see, the Gnostics believed that this mystical type of secret knowledge that you had to learn from them. And John says, you know what, that's not true. You already have the truth of God. You have the Spirit of God. You don't need some secret knowledge. You don't need another revelation. You don't need another book. You don't. He wants us to know it's impassionate in his heart that Jesus is the Christ. And John says, anyone who denies the Father and the Son 
They're actually the Antichrist. It's Antichrist in spirit in verse 23. Whoever denies his son does not have the father either. He acknowledges the son has the father also. You can't have one without the other. And let me say this, by the way, that that goes for all three members of the Trinity. And it's an essential of the faith. If you deny the doctrine of the Trinity then you cannot be saved. And if you deny the doctrine of the Trinity and you say you're a Christian, then you're a cult. See, I remember when I was Catholic, and some of you here, I don't know if you came from a Catholic background, but remember we used to do this, Father, Son, Holy Spirit? I like, I mean, I like, I don't like, you don't have to do the cross, you know, but, but um, I like the emphasis on the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We don't really have that emphasis as much today in the Protestant church and, and maybe we need to you know really be reminded of that because there seems to be a lot of uh, confusion and sometimes even compromise in those areas you can't have one if you deny any member of the Trinity it's very imperative for us to understand that you know and here he's speaking specifically about the son I mean how can you expect to have a relationship with me as a father if you deny my son if you demean my son, if you belittle my son, if you lie about him and turn people away from him, how can you have a relationship with me? Now that's a human illustration, but how much more when you consider the eternal father and the eternal perfect son who just happens to be the only one who can reconcile you to the father? He says, man, because a lot of people think, you know, they think, well, I, can, I just have the Father, you know, I have God, not Jesus. He has no Son, and if He does, it's a creature He created. It's a special angel or maybe one of many, 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 many other gods. But the Bible says, no, if you deny the Son, you cannot have the Father either. It's interesting, he uses the word right there to acknowledge the Son. And the Greek word is the same word translated confess in chapter 1, verse 9. If you don't confess the Son right there, then you can't have the Father. And so, it's not a reference to someone who simply believes in Jesus' existence, but rather, do you believe in who He is? See? And that's where I want to encourage you guys, never, ever, ever compromise in that. Never, ever, ever think anything other than His glory and His majesty and His ministry. The anointed prophet, priest, and king, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Very important. Jesus taught this ever so clearly. If you get a chance, read John chapter 5, verse 17 through 23. And he just talks about, you know, how he who honors the, the Father must honor the Son. If you don't honor the Son, then you don't honor the Father who sent him. And so John says, listen, man, you know this about Jesus. And so, in verse 24, look at the application. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. In the Greek language, this is a present tense imperative. It means it's a continuous command. Therefore, let that, this whole truth that we're talking about, let it stay in you. Let it remain in you. Let it abide in you. Something you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, and there's that word if, if it abides in you, then you're going to also abide in the Son. And he's just really simple and just saying, man, you know, and I don't want to overcomplicate it because I know there's a lot here, but just, man, 
please, don't compromise in this area. Continue to know who the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are. Believe in them and don't let anyone lead you astray. You know, when I read this right here, I can't help but think of what Pastor Chuck, he, he says in his book, Calvary Distinctives, I believe in eternal security as long as I abide in Jesus Christ. You know, you abide in the Lord, man. You keep coming to church. You keep reading your Bible. You keep praying. You keep making sure that that connection is real. Don't compromise. Don't turn to the right or the left. You stay on track with the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay there. Abide in the Lord. That's where you're eternally secure. And that's what he's saying right here. Let it abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then cool. You're in right relation. Then you're in right salvation. You've got the Father and you've got the Son. And look what he says next. He says in verse 25, and this is the promise that he has promised us. Check it out. Eternal life. And so stay on track. You know, I don't know how it is for you guys. Maybe I can ask you a question. You know, because every Sunday... I have to be here, you know. I mean, I, I want to be here, don't get me wrong, but, you know, that's not even a thought. Sometimes I wonder, like, man, I wonder if they felt like going to church today. You know, I wonder if there's some people that just said, you know what, I'd rather stay home and watch a football game, or, you know what, I'm not up to it today, or I don't want to read my Bible, I don't want to pray. I mean, I'm kind of blessed in that I have to. But, um, you know, when you get those feelings, or when you get those temptations, or, or when you hear lies, and, and the enemy is so crafty in his way to just divert us little in increments that are so subtle, man, you got to just guard yourself. I always tell my kids, you know, I, I've, I've played it safe. Maybe I've been overprotective, but it's because I love you so much, and I fear this. And so, you know, that's my encouragement to you because God is offering us eternal life. This is heaven and hell, right? And that's a cool thing to keep me on track. You know, last night, it was kind of cool. I was in the garage and my son came to me and uh, you can always tell when he's got something up his sleeve because he goes into the garage. I'm just joking. He, uh, Dad, can I talk to you for a second? Oh, sure, son, have a seat right here, and we'll talk, you know? He's all, Dad, it just so turns out that there's this magic mountain trip coming up for homeschool kids. And Dad, can I make a deal with you? Sure. Man to man, you tell me what you want. Dad, I will do all my schoolwork. I will do all my homework. I will wash the car. I will wash the cat. I will do all these things. No, I'm just joking. We don't have a cat, you know? <laughs> he just started telling me all these things he would do because... You know, I mean, how many of you like Magic Mountain? Uh, you know? <laughs> I love Magic Mountain, but you know what I hate about Magic Mountain? The lines, right? And so, man, to be able to go to Magic Mountain with no lines, that's like a dream come true, right? I mean, it's just amazing. And so, you know, when I was thinking about this, and I was just like, you know what? That's so cool. I mean... You know, here he's willing to make a deal with me, and basically, you know, he's asking for a reward in response to a certain element of obedience or whatever the case may be. And, and I was just thinking, you know, and that's a good for him. It's like everything he wants, you know. And, and I was just thinking for us, it's kind of like that, man, that you abide in the Lord, that you play it safe in Jesus Christ, 
that you let his word remain in you. You never stop going to church, hungering for his word, spending time in prayer and Bible study and obeying and living the life. You're just abiding in him. You're resting in him. You're remaining in him because what he offers to us is eternal life. And that's heaven. And that's not just heaven when we die, but it's a slice of heaven while we live. It's the, the Zoe life. It's the God life. It's the same life that God has. He gives to you. He gives to us. You know, I've told you guys before, yet everybody's got to die, but not all men really live. Live with that love and that joy and that peace and that power. This is a life. You know, the devil, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and that more abundantly. You see, this is what God wants to give to us, this promise of eternal life. Not just, again, quantity, but it's a quality of life. And so he says there in verse 26, These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. Remember we talked about this being one of the purposes of the whole letter? Uh, if you have a King James Version, it uses the word seduce. How many guys have been seduced? How many gals have been seduced? Oh, the enemy's crafty. It really is. We read John's words right here, and in 2 John verse 7, it talks about many deceivers having gone out into the world. John says they're trying to deceive you, but remember the anointing you have in the Holy Spirit Listen to him, listen to his word, exercise discernment. Don't just go with the flow. Listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, I read a story about a missionary to the Native Americans who was in Los Angeles with a Native American friend who was a new Christian. As they walked down the street, they passed a man in the corner who was preaching with a Bible in his hand. The missionary knew the man represented a cult. But the Native Americans saw only the Bible. And so he stopped and he listened to the sermon. He, he said, oh, I hope my friend doesn't get confused. And so he began to pray for him. In a few minutes, the Native American, he was the new Christian, he turned away from the meeting and he joined his missionary friend. And so he asked him, he said, what do you think of the preacher? And he said, you know, all the time he was talking, Something in my heart just kept saying, liar, liar. You see, that something in his heart was not just something, it was someone, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God that guides us into the truth and helps us to recognize error. It's the anointing of God, and it's not a lie. Why? Because he is the Spirit of truth. Right here he says, man, you don't need that anyone teach you. And so you read that right there and you're like, okay, then I'm going to go now. I'm hungry. <laughs> no, we do need teachers, right? Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19-20 to teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And we know that Ephesians 4, 11, and 12 says God has appointed teachers 
in the church. But what John is saying here is that, that this, what I'm sharing with you, is not new. You knew this from the beginning. It's already been taught and caught and wrought in you. He himself is in you. His truth is in you. When they're lying to you about Jesus, I mean, do you need someone to reteach you the basics of this whole thing? And, and you know, when you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, it's so cool. He uses reachers and teachers, studies and buddies, but all along the way, our true teacher is God himself, right? Jesus said in John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And so John right here is just saying, listen, you know, rest in this that you have been taught. You have an inner witness. You have an outer witness. They're deceivers. They're antichrists. Be so careful. Abide in the truth. And he closes here in verse 28, and he says, Now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And we kind of come back to where we began in John as far as the evidence of a true believer. If you know he is righteous, then you know that everyone who's practicing righteousness is born of him. We're going to see the same thing spoken of later, specifically with love. Everyone who loves is born of him. But here's the question. You know, he says to you, little children, what you got to do is you got to abide. Abide in him. Why? That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, man, that we have is this truth with a capital T. And he's a full-time, full-on teacher within us. You know, I always tell people, you got to be careful with your vernacular. How many times do you hear people say, I'm going to go to church? Let's go to church. You're going to go to church. You don't go to church. You are the church, right? He lives inside of you. There's things that we have to change, so stop saying that, okay? And another thing we have to stop saying is Greg Laurie's church, you know, or Dale Mean Kyle's church. It's not Greg Laurie's church. Whose church is it? Okay, so stop saying that, okay? <laughs> what we have to do is realize that we are the church. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit of God. We've got the Word of God to protect us against the deceivers and all those antichrists that are out there. We have to defend the doctrine of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we have to be so careful. We have to abide in Him because the day will come when He appears. Imagine that. It's going to be amazing, man. And we want to have confidence, and here it is, and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And that's the heart that we have to have, you know. I mean, I don't know where you guys are with the Lord. Some of you here are probably just so right on, and it's such a blessing to see what the Lord is doing. Some of you here are struggling. The enemy's lying to you. Just a lot of things that are happening, you know. But I do know this, that we're all going to stand before God one day. If you're a Christian, you're going to stand before him at the Bema seat. The Bema seat. And I do believe that there will be some Christians who will have lost the reward according to Second John verse 8. So you want to have a full reward. You want to be right on target with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just love Him. 
Love Him. Love the people. Listen to the Spirit within you. Listen to the Word of God that He's given to you. But I also believe that there are some people, and it's crazy, think about it, man. They went to church and they heard the Word and, you know, maybe uh, they even, you know, uh, I don't know, their, their parents were Christians. I was talking to my kids on the way in today and I was asking them, how do you know you're a Christian? How do you know you're a Christian? They said, because you are. And I said, no. <laughs> no, they didn't say that. But you know, God has no grandchildren, right? God has no grandchildren. No. How do, we know you're a, how do you know you're a Christian? Are you sure you're a Christian? You know, people will come and then they'll go and they'll disappear and it just breaks your heart. And, you know, we can have that argument. Well, they never knew the Lord. Well, maybe they did. They fell away. And there's scriptures on both sides. The main point is this. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you do, stay with the Lord. Rest in Him. Remain in Him. And make sure that you are truly born again. And I read a story about a Sunday school class that was having a lot of problems. And the pastor and the assistant pastor, they met with the teacher and the different servants. But they made no progress. And then one Sunday morning, the teacher of the class came forward at the altar call. The pastor thought, well, I guess she's rededicating her life to the Lord. But she eventually came up to the pastor and she said, you know what, I want to confess Christ as my Lord and Savior. All these years I thought I was saved, but I wasn't. There was something missing in my life, something lacking in my life. And those problems I was having, those class problems, they were my problems because I really didn't know the Lord. And I don't know, you know, sometimes those problems surface. Not, 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 not everybody, but man, the Lord will rear His, you know, truth to us and show us things. The reason being is because, you know, maybe you don't know the Lord. And so if that's you and you're not sure, then my encouragement to you today is to know that Jesus is the Christ. And uh, as a matter of fact, I'm reminded of that passage in Matthew 16, where Jesus said, well, who do men say that I am? And so the apostles said, well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're John the Baptist, one of the prophets. And then the Lord made it really personal, and he said, but who do you say that I am? And that's when Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, it's been a supernatural revelation. And that right there is the question that I pose to you in closing today. Really, truly, in the deepest recesses of your heart, who is Jesus Christ to you? Is he the Lord? Is he the anointed prophet, priest, and king? Is he God the Son, second person of the Trinity? Is he the one that died on the cross for your sins, was put in a grave, rose again, and ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, making intercession? Is he the one that you have given your heart to? Not just part of your heart, all of your heart. You see, that's the way a person saved. Today, it's just so simple. You turn from your sins. And you trust in Jesus. I pray that you would. Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord. It's just an awesome passage. I know I can do justice to, Lord, but just a lot of nuggets, Father, teaching us about the Antichrist, about deceivers, about 
you know, the security we have, Lord, teaching us about even at the same time how we need to abide in you and just your coming and just so many things, Lord. I, I just pray that your word would encourage your people. Thank you for your truth. I believe it gives us roots. But Lord, I also pray for anyone here today who's struggling or hurting. Uh, they're dying. Maybe they're addicted to pornography or drugs or alcohol or sex. Maybe they're here today and they don't even want to live. I don't know what the issues are, Lord, but I know, Jesus, that you're the answer. And so, Lord, I pray if there is anyone here today who doesn't know you, who's been struggling, that just in a simple, profound, deep, real way, that today you would save them, you'd breathe on them, and that they would repent of their sins and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Thank you so much, Lord, for your love for us and your grace in our life. I pray you continue to bless your beautiful people. And we ask together in Jesus' name. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.